What is up, everybody? TGIF. Thank God it is Friday. And when it's Friday, that means it's Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I am your host, John Harris. So glad to be with you this evening. And boy, do we have a jam-packed show. How about the head coach of the Houston Texans? Bill O'Brien will have him on the show. How about the general manager of the Houston Texans? Brian Gain, we will have him on the show. How about Will Fuller the fifth? We will have him on the show. we got a deep slant interview with him that you definitely want to hear. DP asked him, how do you pack on 20 pounds in the offseason? Pretty interesting stuff from Will Fuller the fifth. We'll have him on the show. We will also have, get to know, Brandon Dunn this week. DJ Dunning, one of the... One of the most fun guys in the locker room. He is fantastic. And I'm telling you right now, 92 is playing his guts out. Last year, I felt like nobody talked about him. This year, of course, nobody talks about him because everybody wants to talk about Watt, Merciless Clowney, and Tyra Matthew, and Kareem Jackson. Brandon Dunn is playing his guts out up front. So we're going to get to know Brandon Dunn. We will have the final word with Drew Doherty with Nick Martin this week. We, of course, have got player reporter with Kareem Jackson and I will give you my keys to the game, and I will give you my NFL picks. You know how I do it. I go around the NFL, I talk about all the different games, and then I predict them, just because I put myself out there. And, of course, you guys are, have been great. You don't point out all my misses, it, because they're predictions. They're just they're guesses, of course, and so you don't point them out to me, and I, I appreciate that, because there are plenty. I'll tell you this, when, I, when I've done this for the college football world and did it, for college football games, I'm telling you, I would hear from fans, well, you don't know anything. You missed that pick. Well, yeah. Who's gone 100% picking college football games? I mean, fans were obnoxious. And, of course, some NFL fans can be that way, but you guys aren't. You guys are very understanding. And, and of course, it's just, in my estimation, it's just a fun way to talk about the games that are happening this week in the NFL. And a couple of good ones. One AFC South battle that we'll definitely have our eyes on while we are playing at 12 o'clock local time. Tennessee and Jacksonville. That game taking place in Jacksonville. And it's funny, when I was talking to both Frank Frangie and a few of the people around the Jacksonville uh, organization, and I talked to them about Tennessee, and they're like, you know, this organization just kind of has a burr up its saddle about Tennessee. And Tennessee beat Jacksonville twice last year. And in the first contest, I think it was week two, because we played Jacksonville here, and then Jacksonville went back home, and it was in that fourth quarter, and Tennessee just went nuts. Tennessee just pounded the football right down their throats, and Jacksonville couldn't take it. And I was like, what's going on? And that was at a point where we didn't really think Jacksonville was, was all that and a bag of chips. Turned out that Jacksonville was all that and a bag of chips. And we saw that on Sunday, the 2018 team is definitely, definitely at that level. So we'll see. I, I still I still contend with Tennessee, and I know what people are thinking when I say this. I still don't think Tennessee is as good as people have hyped them up to be, uh, the, the NFL analyst, etc. At that point, the Texans have not played up to the level they're supposed to be either. But I think once the Texans round into shape, I think they're a better team than Tennessee. Will they be a better team than Jacksonville? We'll find out week seven. But the Texans have got to do a number of different things first to be able to get there. And the first thing they've got to do is take care of business on Sunday against Big Blue, the New York Giants, coming to town for the first time since 2010 when Eli Manning led the Giants to a win over the Texans that afternoon. He's done that three times. 06, 2010, 2014. Eli Manning is 3-0 against the Texans. So 
the Texans have got to take care of that business on Sunday and just get a W. I said this last week. I'll say it this week. I don't care how pretty it looks. I don't care what people uh, on the Twitters and on the interwebs are going to say. Don't care. Just get a win. 17-16, 41-3, 3-2. It doesn't matter. Just get a W. So we'll talk about how they're going to do that with our keys to the game later on. But we got plenty for you on the show. But let's kick it off as we always do with our hot reads. And these hot reads are brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, the first hot read, as it is each and every Friday, is Mark Vandermeer sitting down with head coach Bill O'Brien. Mark. Coach, let's start with Wednesday because last week you talked about not being happy with the Wednesday practice prior to week two. So how has the week gone starting with the Wednesday practice? You mentioned Thursday looked pretty good as well. Yeah, we've had a good couple of days. Uh, you know, our guys have really, you know, approached it with good focus, good energy. We got a really good group of guys. We had a we had a good Wednesday and we had a very, very good Thursday. You know, guys competed um, and uh, really looked like they were focused on their assignments and, and really trying to do a good job. So it was it was good good uh, good week. I know you've been asked a lot about being home, and it just feels strange to be this deep, if you will, into the season and playing your home opener, but that's got to give you a big burst of energy. No doubt. Uh, it's great to be home. It'll be great to be in front of our fans, and we, we you know, we really want to go out there and play well and play well in front of our fans. That's a big uh, big deal for us, and uh, you know, we're very excited about being home. It's obvious you want everybody to be off to a good start in this game. You want to get off to a great start, but at the same time, how do you handle that? You wanted that in the other two games, so do you adjust anything going into that? Yeah, no, we have to, you know, we really focused on uh, starting off team periods and uh, all the periods this week in practice, starting off on a positive note, and the guys did a good job of that. And then, you know, it's also finishing. You know, we've got to finish better, but uh, I thought that uh, we got off to a real good start in practice both days, and or all three days, and, uh, you know, that's a good thing. You know, we, we need to just be efficient and everybody, no self-inflicted, uh, you know, self-inflicted wounds, so to speak. You know, we, we, we're not, we need to play against the Giants. We don't need to play ourselves and the Giants, you know, so it's important that we get off to a good start. How difficult is it to predict what they want to do? They obviously want to use their young running back, but they also have a quarterback who can catch fire at any time. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're going to give the ball to Barkley. I mean, over the, over the first two games, I think he touched the ball 50 times. So he's going to touch the ball. Uh, and definitely in the running game, and then uh, they they get it to him in the passing game, and then like you said, Eli does a great job of getting him into the to the right play. Um, y- you know, I think that uh, Beckham is a huge part of what they're doing, and and I know that he'll he'll uh, have his touches too. So we just need to do a good job of lining up, understanding where everybody's aligned, and and really just doing our jobs. You know, doing our jobs at a high level. Our guys have done that all week, and now it needs to carry over to the practice field. You have to feel good about your running game overall in the first couple of weeks. I know you didn't get the results you wanted at the end of the game, but going into week three, what are you looking for in that phase of the game to keep getting better? Yeah, no, we lead the league in rushing, and it's good. I mean, it, we, we've run the ball very well. Deshaun's run the ball, and then obviously Lamar and Alfred have done a good job. The line and the tight ends have done a good job, and that needs to continue. We need to be able to establish a line of scrimmage and run the football and uh you know, if we can do that, that opens up a lot of things for us in the passing game, and and it keeps drives on schedule. You know, as long as we're able to get positive yards in a running game, it's it's it keeps you in manageable third downs, which is really important. Give us a glimpse into the kicking game, the field position game, and how it might play out here. Yeah, no, we need to do a good job. Uh, we need to do a good job of covering kicks. We got to do a good job. They rush the punter, so we have to do a really good job of protecting. Um, they they do a real good job of putting pressure on the punter. 
we have to get down there. We got to do a good job of of uh, containing the returner, whoever it is. I mean, there's been times when they put Beckham back there, you know, as the punt returner. Uh, and then, you know, relative to our return game, I think it's going to be important to be penalty free. You know, we we've gotten some good returns, but when when we have. We've gotten a holding call, especially in the Tennessee game, puts our, our start drive, uh, drive start, you know, inside the 10-yard line a couple of times because of penalties. So really got to be penalty-free in a return game, and I think if we do that, we'll be in good shape. One more. You want takeaways, but it's not as easy just to say, go get the takeaways. So how do you handle that? No, I mean, you know, it's t- takeaways, um, you know, they, they, it was good. We got a couple in the uh, New England game and didn't uh, – didn't really get any in the past game, but I mean, you, you know, I think that the takeaways are something that we, we really concentrate on in practice. Uh, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, the ball bouncing a certain way for us and all those things, but I think that uh, our guys are really working on it and hopefully we can, we can take the ball away in this game. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vinny. Let's move along to our next hot read. And as always, the Friday injury report. Most important one of the week because you start making your game declarations. Who's going to be able to play? Who's questionable? Who's out? So let's get to it. For your Texans, out of this one will be Kayvon Webster. I don't think that's too much of a surprise. I think we expect Kayvon to be back. I expected him to be back week three, week four. And the reason I say that is you. I think with Kayvon, you could have, I believe, kept him on pup and then brought him back in week seven. So my guess was always week three, week four. So he's not going to be in this one. So Webster is out. Questionable for your Texans, Sammy Coates, Kiki QT. They've been, they were out last week. They're both questionable for Sunday. I, my, gut, my gut tells me that they will, not be, they will not be playing. But then again, I've been wrong, and I, I hope I'm wrong on this one. I would love to be able to see both, if not one of them, Coats and or QT. Also questionable and just popped up on the injury report today, and that's Jordan Thomas with a hip. He just popped up, so we'll see what that means. He is questionable, and those three are Coach QT, Thomas, three guys questionable for this one. Only one out, Kayvon Webster. Everybody else, guys we talked about, Jadavion Clowney, he's in. DeAndre Hopkins, in. Will Fuller, in. Watt, in. Rankin, a lot of these guys are in after being on the injury report. And they're still on the injury report. So, for some reason, we put seemingly everybody on it. Now, to me, the interesting part comes on the other side. Olivier Vernon is out with the ankle injury. I don't believe that he has played, I don't think, thus far this year. So, he will be out of this one. Olivier Vernon, the best pass rusher the Giants have. That means that Kerry Wynn, B.J. Hill will play that spot opposite Kareem Martin and Connor Barwin. Barwin had been banged up during the week with a knee, but he was a full participant in practice today. But Olivier Vernon out, but also out his starting corner Eli Apple, who had seemingly turned a corner and played decently in the first two games. So I would imagine at corner we're going to see B.W. Webb, who plays a lot of nickel, and also Dante Dion, who is doesn't play a ton, but now I would imagine he's going to be asked to, especially when the Texans are on three and four wides and the, and the Giants want to go nickel. My guess is you're going to see a lot of those two guys with Eli Apple out of this one. Like I said, Apple had turned a corner. Seemingly there had been some uh, some serious hiccups the last couple of years, but it, feel, it felt like Eli was ready to make that next step 
to being a solid corner for the Giants, but he will be out of this one. So that's going to put a focus on two guys that B.W. Webb's been around the league a bunch. Been around the league a bunch, and Dion uh, is a guy that ha- doesn't have a lot of experience. The Texans must be able to exploit those losses of Olivier Vernon and also Eli Apple on the edge. So injury report seemingly opens up some opportunities for the Texans to exploit. It would be nice if they were able to do that. So they got to protect Deshaun. If they do, then we'll see. I went back and I watched the All-22, actually a couple times, of the Texans. And I'm telling you, Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, two of the fastest guys you're going to find at corner, and two very skilled corners, they were scared to death of Will Fuller running by them, especially in off coverage. Will would run five yards, and they were already turning and running. So I would imagine Janoris Jenkins and Dante Dion and B.W. Webb are going to have their hands full. We'll get to more of that in our keys to the game. But that is your Friday injury report. Recap real quick. Coates, QT, Jordan Thomas, all questionable. Kayvon Webster out for the Giants. Eli Apple starting corner. And Olivier Vernon, the best pass rusher the Giants have, also out. Now, B.J. Hill, very talented guy. Kareem Martin can be a problematic rushing the quarterback because he is long. And Kerry Wynn has shown uh, that he can get to the quarterback as well. He's been around with the Giants since 2014. So they've got some guys that can get back there, but I don't think anything like we saw with the uh, with the Patriots, with Wise and also Flowers, and definitely not last week with Derek Morgan, Arakpo, and Harold Landry. So that group, this group, a little bit stepped down, if you will, doesn't mean that the Texans aren't minding their P's and Q's. Those guys can't get there. It's just those other groups have been very, very skilled on the edge in particular. So there's your injury report, and those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico. Again, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, one of the guys that I talked about in this and is going to play a key role because of Eli Apple being out is Will Fuller. And he stopped by with DP Sidhu for our Deep Slant interview of the week. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. The Houston Texans, Whataburger, and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston Area Hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank feed 800,000 of our community neighbors each year. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 8th, Give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad you are with me this evening, and it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. Now, DP requests players each and every week, and we walked into our meeting on Monday, and she said, I want to get Will Fuller. Now, when I, I always play the her Deep Slant interview on Friday. And with all the radio that we do during the week, and I had an event last night, Paul Bear Bryant Award event last night, if there's any way that anybody can eat up innings, i.e. 
just talk for a little bit longer, maybe eat up a whole segment, the better off it is for me. It's fantastic. It gives me a little bit of a, a break. The vocal cords get a break. And when she said Will Fuller, I was like, oh, no. I love Will, but Will doesn't say a whole lot. And so I was a little, I was a little bit worried. And I texted DP. I said, did you get Will yesterday? She said, yes, and he was awesome. I was like, all right, sweet. So here it is, our Deep Slant interview of the week. DP Sidhu sat down with a guy who was absolutely phenomenal last week in Tennessee, has become an impact player that we wanted to see, and hopefully he'll continue to do that throughout this year. And if he does, he may end up being one of the best in the AFC. Boy, that would be fun. Will Fuller, the fifth. All right, joining me today, Will Fuller. Welcome back, minus the loss. Uh, your first game back it was probably exactly how you planned it, right? Over 100 yards receiving, touchdown. Uh, how good did it feel to be back out there? And was there any rust to knock off for you? Uh, I don't feel like there was any rust. Um, before I hurt my hamstring, I was out there with this showing a lot in the training camp. So we got a lot of reps together. And then when I wasn't out there, I was, you know, watching and, you know, communicating with them. So I don't feel like there was any rust. But um, it, it was good to get back out there with the guys and, uh, you know, contribute a little bit. But, you know, like you said, tough loss. So I uh, need to do a little more. All right. I want to ask you about the touchdown celebration. I'm going to put it in air quotes because it seemed like you guys were all – uh, doing, I, I don't know how to describe it other than you had your finger under your nose like a mustache, but everybody was doing it with you. Like they yeah. all, it was like a, a thing with you that everybody seemed to do. Oh, That's man. new, right? Like it's new. It's basically okay. um, just uh, we just wiping our nose clean. We just, in the, you know, uh, Young Thug. We just showing our love to to, to Young Thug. You know, we it, it, you can call it slime season. Oh, slime season. Slime oh, season. of course. Yep. So, <laughs> Texans 2018 slime season. Okay, I like it. I like it. I hope we get to do it a lot more. Yep. And you know what? I think people are going to start paying attention now because I didn't catch it the first time because you guys are all celebrating, but yep. then afterwards. <laughs> all right. Uh, Deshaun said in the second half of that game, you guys were really all on the same page. What was it that made it so easy for you guys to just pick up where you left off? Because I think a lot of people thought it was going to take you guys a little bit of time to get into that rhythm. And not really a lot of time, but you guys were just right where you left off since week eight of last year. Yeah, just like I said, just you know, that that just shows shows all the work that we put in, you know, during training camp because you just can't go out there on on Sundays and you know put up a, a good performance, you know, because they have guys on the, on the other team who are pros too, who you know get paid for their their job just like we do. So just you know putting in that extra work and just you know finding you know anything, watching film just to see like some tells that we can take advantage of and uh, executing the, the game plan. What do you think your strength is right now? Because I know a lot of people talk about your route running just being really crisp. Obviously, your speed, uh, which is what everyone had known you for before that. And you pretty much pulled in every catch but maybe one, I think, in Sunday's game, or you were close to perfect. It seemed like you do a lot of things well in this third season. What What do you think it is that you do well or uh, best in your game? Me just uh, – I would say speed, you know. That's what I'm That's what I'm known for. And, uh, you know, I like to, you know, think I have good good routes because, you know, that's what I – you know, I'm a receiver, so you got to have routes as a receiver. You can't just play fast as a – a lot of guys who think you can just go to the NFL and just play fast, but it's tough because, you know, you got guys on the other side who are smart. So um, just, you know, mixing it up, you know, trying to trying to play fast. You know, like I said, just find some tells about the DB that, that, um, that I can take advantage of. But for me, it's just playing fast and just, you know, doing everything as fast as possible because, you know, the DB don't want to get beat deep, so um, they're going to try to protect that. I remember when you were just a rookie here, You had, somebody had mentioned that you take a lot of notes, that you used to take a lot of notes in meetings, that you just took notes and notes and notes. And I asked you what you were taking notes on, and you said you pretty much took notes on everything. How is it now for you? Is it still like you're just constantly learning, or does the game seem to have, have slowed down and, and you just sort of have this instinctual way that you attack the game now? Yeah, I would say it, it slowed down a lot since my rookie season. I mean, 
just looking back at it, it's, it's funny to me just how how rattled I was just being out there, you know, on the same field as you know these NFL players I've you know I've been watching for for my life. Like it was cool. So now it's just I'm a lot more relaxed. You know, we we all we all uh, I won't say we all, but just just having these years of experience, you know, all the film I've been watching over these two years, and it's my job now. So um, just you know that rookie season is all about taking it all in, but had to you know uh, start contributing fast. So. I bet um, a lot of the younger receivers are probably going to you and asking you questions now. Yeah, yeah, like Kiki, you know, Kiki does a good job too. I mean, he, he's he's a real smart guy. You know, he knows every time the coach try to call on him in the meetings, he always knows the answer. So Kiki's a smart guy. You know, can't wait to get him back on the field. And um, I would say, you know, you know, all the guys, Benson and Chester, like they've been doing a good job with, with our playbook because our playbook is, is real tough. So I remember being a rookie, it was real difficult. And that's why I was taking notes. But um, now, you know, everything has slowed down for me. So I, 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 know, I know how it feels to be done. You and DeAndre Hopkins are just such a powerful duo right now. Like a lot of people talk about it. It could be the best in the league if you keep up this pace. What's your relationship like with DeAndre off the field? Because I know you guys have talked about with each other how how much your games complement each other, but what's your relationship like with him off the field? Yeah, I mean, me me and Hop talk about everything, uh, really. Um, It's it's, it's pretty hard to discuss. I mean – I would say we have a real good relationship off the field. You know, it's like fashion-wise, I don't think that you guys are similar, or like do you guys discuss stuff like that. I mean, we we've discussed stuff like that, like having the same style as maybe, but you know, um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to pay for all that yet. So um, like, maybe in a few years. But um, I mean, we talk about everything, uh, relationships, you know, clothes. You know, I, I mean, I remember in the all season, I was sending him a picture like, "What you think about this?" You know, uh, some some clothes and stuff. He, like, yeah, get that. that that's, that's hot. So I mean, we talk about everything. Everybody's um, got a friend like that, that before you buy it, you have to send them a picture and be yeah, like, should I or shouldn't I? Yeah, make sure. Send and they'd be honest it. with you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I know a lot of people asked you about this off season. You talked about it as well. You put on some muscle. I want to ask you, like, if you rewind, what went into that decision? What made you decide this is something I need to do for my game? Was it a collective effort? Was it, you know, Bill O'Brien? Was it the, the strength and conditioning, the sports performance staff? Was it you? How did you come to that decision? And why did you decide that now was the time to do something like that? Yeah, just, you know, my injuries. I was I was real frustrated with my injuries. Um, you know, some things that can, you know, could possibly be avoided. Like, uh, you know, I hurt my ribs last year. I know that could be avoided with, with some weight and some strength. So um, just looking at it, like, I'm, I was 165 pounds in the NFL. I was just, just thinking about it this year. I'm like, how, how did I do that? You know, I did it in college. I don't know how I did it in college, but uh, – I, you know, I found out quickly it's not going to work. You know, I've been injured a lot my, my first two years. So um, just put on a little weight and, and just, you know, just so I can, I can put on enough weight where I can still play fast. But um, just seeing how it feels. And, you know, I feel real good, too. So um, And you've been able to keep up your speed despite yeah. putting on extra muscle. Were you worried about that at all, that if you get bigger, like what the thing that you pride yourself on might – you might compromise some of that. I really wasn't because I got I got real big during the combine. I think I was like 100, almost 190 pounds, and that's when I ran my 40. To you were? So. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I lost all that my rookie season. That was, <laughs> that was a bad season for me. I Being lost, in Houston, it just sort weight. of melted off, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I knew as long as I put it on the right way, which I did with Luke and and Lad and and those guys. Uh, that'll be fine. I know you trained with a former teammate at Notre Dame as well uh, during the offseason, Equinemius St. Brown, and his dad was a two-time Mr. Universe. So what's that like, lifting with a two-time? He was there. I assume he yeah, was he there. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, uh, I mean, that's yeah, not pressure Brown. or anything, right? John Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to him a lot at Notre Dame. I remember uh, I think around the time where I was thinking about uh, leaving and going to the draft, I was talking to him about – and helped me gain weight, and I just never got back around to it until, until this year. And uh, 
actually put on some weight faster with him. So um, I'm, I'm definitely going. I'm definitely looking forward to working out with him again. But he, he real intense, and it, it was fun going out there and uh, working with EQ and his and his dad. What about meals? Like, what did he, was he on you about what you ate? Like, what do you yeah, eat cooked, to put on? He, he cooked everything for us. I mean, I feel like. When I was out there with him, I, I ate like spaghetti like thirteen times. Like that's <laughs> he the only thing I ate too? with spaghetti. That's, yeah, I, I ate spaghetti for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Okay, so if you so really want to put gain, on some if weight, if you can eat that three times a day, you'll be fine. I was putting on weight quick. <laughs> How much weight did you put on overall? Um, since I first, you know, since I first weighed in with Luke, I was small. I don't know. Coming back from the offseason, I was small, like one sixty five, and now I'm about. 183, 185, floating around that range, so about 20 pounds. Do you think you're going to keep it going? Uh, I know it's hard during the season, but, like, can you keep it going? Yeah, what about in the off season? I feel like I can keep it going because, like I said. Like, how Luke, big could you get, Well, I, th- I, I could probably get to, like, 195, <laughs> 200 if I tried oh to. Oh, my <laughs> with, Working with uh, EQ's dad, I can get there fast, too, so. But um, I don't want to do that. Do some Mr. Universe in your off-season with him, right? That's too big, 200 pounds. (laughs) I don't think I'll be fast. I I won't be eating spaghetti three times a day, that's for sure. I know you guys are playing the Giants on Sunday. Have you ever met Odell Beckham? I've never met Odell, nope. I know DeAndre hung out with him a little bit in the off-season. Yeah, I think, uh, I'm not even sure, but yeah, I've never met, I've never met Odell. Is he, is he one of those guys that, like, as a receiver, you just sort of watch his game or you'd been watching his game and things that he could do? Yeah, I mean, uh... Or is it, like, less impressive because you see DeAndre Hopkins every day? I mean, like... They they both make incredible catches, so um, I've never really I've never seen a, um, Odell in person. So I've, I've seen Hop in person. I've, I mean, we'll see on Sunday how you know how that that matches up. How about that secondary? Because you got Janoris Jenkins and maybe Eli Apple if he's playing. What are going to be your, some of your challenges Sunday? Yeah, um, Eli. I played against Eli my last game at college. I know. It's oh, you lot, did. Yeah, I know it's a lot different now, but you know he's a he's a bigger. What DB. do you remember about him? He's he's a big DB. Um, he's fast. You know, he has all the intangibles to be. To, you know, to run with me, so I just gotta, you know, do what I do. So I, I mean, it's, it's gonna be a good matchup. You know, Janoris, he's he's real smart. He's been, a, he's a veteran player. Um, you know, he he can he can run with you. He he make good plays on the ball. So it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a, t- a tough matchup, but um, we'll see what happens on Sunday. All right, good stuff. Hopefully, we see a lot more of your what is it called? Slime slum season. Slime season. Slime season. Good stuff. <laughs> Will Fuller. Thank Thanks you. so much, Will. This to me becomes a really interesting matchup, and I think there's actually a decision for the New York Giants in this one, and that is, do you put Janoris Jenkins on Will Fuller using Jenkins' speed to match up with Fuller's speed, or do you put Jenkins on the bona fide number one, DeAndre Hopkins, and then put one of the other corners, be it B.W. Webb or Dante Dion, on Will Fuller? I think it's a pretty tough decision for the Giants to make. If I were them, I would put Jenkins one-on-one on Fuller and know that my guys, B.W. Webb and Dion, can run with Hopkins or think they can run with Hopkins, and then just hopefully they don't get out physical for the football. Well, last week, the Titans, they, they mixed it up. They had they had Adoree Jackson sometimes on Fuller. They had Adoree Jackson sometimes on Hopkins. They had Malcolm Butler, Butler sometimes on Fuller, sometimes on Hopkins. They sort of mixed it up. They played, they, they played different sides of the field. They, they mixed it up a little bit. Now, the Giants on the depth chart list left corner, right corner. So we'll see how they go about it, and we'll see which matchup the Texans, if that's how they decide to stay, they don't travel, and there are some teams that do that. The Colts did that with Vontae Davis for a long time. He just stayed on one side, and you could avoid him going to the other side. I mean, it was that simple. Now, there are sometimes specific zone coverages, specific man coverages where they're going to end up on the same side, but if Hopkins and Fuller are on separate sides – 
We'll see whether Janoris Jenkins is going to travel or not. But it's a good matchup either way. Jenkins going against uh, both Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. Jenkins had an interception against the Jags, and it was a heck of an interception. You talk about ball skills. Will is right. He's got tremendous ball skills. So great matchup of Janoris Jenkins against those two. The good news is at least there's two. And in week one, we only had one of them, DeAndre Hopkins, who had a great game. But now he got both of them. And if they can ping-pong off one another, one guy makes the play, and the other guy makes the play next, they keep going back and forth, man, that's going to be a lethal combination. And hopefully, the Texans will walk out of there with a W as a result. All right, coming up next, it's the game plan. GM Brian Gain sat down with Mark to talk about this one against the New York Giants. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. Calling all Houston area teachers. Want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Of course. Then sign up for Toro's Materials, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Materials is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Materials to learn more. That's HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Materials to learn more. Nothing like learning math through football. I'm telling you, that's how you're going to get to some of these kids. I when, Back in the day when I was teaching both math and science, I put together tests. When I did word problems, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, word problems were the worst, man. Math, math, they were so hard. They were so hard for students. But I would put together word problems that included football somewhere, somehow, some way. I did an entire physics test one time all based around the Florida-Georgia rivalry, the world's largest cocktail party, and the school at that point that I was, we were right on the river, right across from, uh, at the time, it was was it Alltel Stadium? I can't remember. It's gone through so many different, it's the old Gator Bowl, basically. It's where the Jags play. Now it's, they call it the bank, because it's TIA Bank, TIAA Bank Stadium, which TIA is a, it's a teacher, it's a teacher retirement fund. So, anyhow. Point being, there's a lot of ways that you can include math in your classroom with football. To teach math, teach science, etc. So you can do it. HoustonTexans.com slash Toros Matros. Now you'll make it a little easier for the third fourth graders, but you get my point. All right, welcome back to the show. It is time for the Gain Plan. Brian Gain sat down earlier this week with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Joining us right now, Texans general manager, Brian Gain. Brian, I got to think you're so eager to get back home. Starting on the road is so tough, tough enough, coming off two losses, but it's going to be good to get in front of the NRG Stadium faithful. It will. It's our first home game. We're excited about that. We're going to work hard to earn the right to win this week. We've got a formidable opponent coming in here who's looking for a win as well, so it'll be a highly contested game. You know, look, we, we played uh, two playoff, uh, 2017 AFC uh, playoff appearance teams here these last 
two games, and we're working hard here today and yesterday to to make the corrections here to position ourselves to give us our best chance to win here this coming Sunday. Last week we talked a little bit about scouting college players, but there's a whole entourage scouting pro teams as you're about to play them weeks down the line. So can you take us through a little bit of that process, how you go about evaluating a future opponent? Sure. So we have our college scouting operation and then our pro scouting operation. So that falls under our pro scouting operation. We have a collective group of four or five uh, staff members here on our pro staff, led by Rob Kissel, our director of pro scouting, and, and Matt Bazinger, our director of player personnel. And we, we basically work hard here to evaluate the other teams, 53 of the opponents that we're playing. We'll start weeks in advance, and we call that advanced scouting, where we'll uh, study that roster 1 through, 50, one through 53 and uh, prepare an advanced scouting report for our coaches in terms of the makeup of the roster, the strengths and weaknesses, uh, competitive advantages, uh, the general makeup and the, and the build of how, how the team is built, where the threats are, maybe where the positive matchups are, where the concerns are, statistical production. There's a lot of facets that go into that. Uh, we present that information to the coaches, and uh, we gain a lot of uh, institutional knowledge on our opponent that way. Let me ask you this as a sort of sidebar. When you look at a guy like Dylan Cole, who was undrafted, or even Duke Ejiofor, who was drafted, but we'll see how he does. He got off to a good start last week in his debut. When you look at players like that and how they were evaluated by everybody, do you change the way you evaluate sometimes based on the way these guys turn out? You're changing the process sometimes or adjusting it? We study draft history, and mm-hmm. we, we, we try to see where, where the uh, the holes may have been or maybe where, where we got it right equally at the same time. In those two specific instances, Dylan Cole was an undrafted free agent. We, we actually here, we call that the eighth round. There's only seven rounds in a draft, but we call free agency here the, the eighth round, and we want to extend the draft. And sometimes, for whatever rhyme or reason, like you may have a draftable grade on a player, but somehow, some way, he slips through the draft because of circumstance. Maybe a team was drafting on need, even though they had a draftable player. Maybe perhaps that other team need was higher than the position of that player who was available. So sometimes guys just slip through the cracks based on circumstances. In Dylan Cole's case, he was a guy we had our eyes on throughout the day three of the draft. And somehow, some way, he went undrafted, so we aggressively pursued him when undrafted free agency arrived. Very cool stuff. Now, the rookies are making some headlines here for the Houston Texans. I know you want to get wins, but you're getting some positives out of these guys. And and let's go over a couple of them here. As Martinez Rankin was thrust into action against the Patriots at left tackle, and he got his first start. It was his first start on Sunday. So how do you think he's faring based on what you've seen pre-draft and the whole process? Because you really didn't have a lot of time to prepare in the offseason. Yeah, so Martinez was one of our third-round picks this year. He played left tackle for Mississippi State in the uh, SEC this season. And and I've used this uh, description before. Martinez is an offensive lineman. I think he could arguably play any of the five positions on the offensive line for us right now. The need is to go in and play left tackle. We drafted him for a reason. We have a lot of confidence in his promise and potential to be a starting caliber player in the league. He got thrust into the role right now based on some of the circumstance and injury. We're excited about his upside and potential, but he's a young player and he's still developing, but we think he's got a lot of promise and a good future ahead of him. The good news about that is even if he stayed at left tackle, that'd be that'd be fine. But if we needed him at any other position, perhaps he could play any of those, which creates a lot of versatility for us in terms of our vision. So we're excited about his promise and potential. 
And Jordan Akins has done some good things so far for you. You saw a lot of good things out of him, former professional baseball player. And i got to think that kind of experience helps you a little bit in terms of acclimating to a pro life, if you will. We're excited about his upside. We're excited about his contributions. A very athletic guy, very mature, very professional, a, a pro's approach. So at a young age, and I know he's a little bit older, but at a young age as a pro football player, He's been impressive in that regard. He's developing in the run game, which is an area that maybe he, he knew he needed to get better at here coming out of the draft. Uh, and we think that, you know, in time, he can become a fully dimensional run game, pass game option for us at the position. We have the Y and the F. Those are two different positions at the tight end group as it relates to how we run offense. He fits that F caliber mold, and he has the versatility and flexibility to move around in the formation. The best thing about Jordan, I think, in the passing game is that he can win one-on-one matchups, and he does have the ability to separate and catch the catch the ball. And you see sometimes the baseball skill set, having played outfield, he played center field. When he does catch the ball, it's it's a natural natural feel for how he locates and tracks the ball, how he adjusts the ball. So it's interesting to see that dynamic in terms of the transferable skill set from from baseball to football. Justin Reed, he's flashed. What does he look like to you right now in his development in the early going? Justin was our, our basically our first pick in the draft in the third round this year. Uh, you know, he has all the height, weight, speed, and the physical parameters we look for at the safety position. We wanted to put an emphasis in our defensive backfield here in the offseason on our player acquisition process on getting bigger, longer, and stronger. He presents that at, you know, six foot, six foot one, 205. He was a 4'3", 4'4", guy coming out. And he's a fully dimensional player, meaning he's not just a run game support player, box player, or or a depth player. We think he can line up from depth. We think he can line up at the second level and play matchup football and some of the substitution packages. And equally, he's been a good run support player. So we like his promise. We like his future. He's got a lot of upside. And equally, he's been a very good fourth down player for us. And on fourth down, we've made an emphasis this offseason on trying to add more speed and range to that group. And he's one of the guys that shows up doing that. I mentioned Edge of Four had a sack. You saw him flash into the backfield a few times. He made plays in the preseason, so he's not totally unfamiliar to people, but they're getting to know him for the first time, and opponents are as well, of course. Unfortunately, he was slowed by injury here in, in recent weeks, but he made a promising comeback here this week. In 15 snaps, I think he had a few tackles. He had a sack. He missed another sack. I think he posted a tackle for loss or two. So in the amount of time and snaps he had, he was productive for us in the game. So I'm excited about what his promise and potential is ahead of us. And, you know, as the overall rookie class, when you look at it, they're, they're all playing contributing roles um, to what they're being asked to do. And, and we're excited about that because we think that that offers longevity to the roster. I know Kiki QT gets closer and closer. What are people going to see when he gets on the field for you? He is a very good athlete. And uh, when you think about Kiki and what he offers, he has an inside-outside passing game skill set, and equally he can be a fourth-down player in terms of the return game. But he's fast, he's explosive, he's sudden, he has what we call twitch. Uh, He can make plays in space. He he offers a dimension in a run-after-the-catch element. Uh, When the ball's in his hands, the play's not over. So we're excited about what he could offer us here when he gets back and gets healthy, gets back on the field. He had a promising offseason. Unfortunately, he's been slowed by injury right now, but he's getting close, and, and I'm optimistic that his return will, will happen here pretty soon. You made a practice squad transaction, Isaac Whitney joining the team, and maybe not him specifically. We'll get to him in a moment. But when you work with the practice squad, how much of it is guys who can eventually play for you versus 
guys you need to have practice because you only have 53 players on the roster and you do need the practice bodies, if you will. The best practice squad player, and we like to refer to it as the developmental squad because really it's player 54 to 63. Mm-hmm. Although they're not on the active roster, they're very much a part of our team and we, we, we treat them as such and very much a developmental environment. And we hope that this is our pipeline for the future in terms of futures prospects and guys that can that can fill some holes and fill some reserves, fill some backups, fill some fourth down roles as it relates to overtime and experience. But Isaac Whitney is a second year player. He's one of our members of our of our ten man practice squad or developmental squad. Uh height, weight, speed all the way. Six foot two, two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pounds. He was a four three, four four guy coming out. He's somebody that some of our coaches are familiar with, with Brad Seeley, Tracy Smith, and John Pagano. They worked with him last year in Oakland. Oakland let him, let him go here at the 53-man cutdown. We worked him out here the other day. We brought him in for one of our many tryouts that we do. He auditioned well, and we, we signed him to the practice squad. He, the other thing is he showed up on fourth down this preseason and last year, mm-hmm. and he's had some active roster snaps doing that. So we're excited about the, the opportunity that we might have a height-weight speed player here in our developmental program at the wide receiver position, who would also offer us a fourth down role if you got to the active. Brian, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this week. Thank you. You know, one of the things that Brian and Mark talked about in that interview was the rookie class. And if you think about this rookie class, now minus the guys that have been banged up, Kiki QT being banged up, but when we talked about the rookie class, I'll never forget, we were in studio, we were doing uh, a Texas All Access, and we talked about this draft the 2018 draft will be a success if and I remember saying if they get one impactful starter from this particular group and when you think about what they've gotten already Justin Reed started last week against the Tennessee Titans and has provided them a number I mean he did a number of different things against the Patriots so Justin Reed has stepped up whether it's starting or coming in nickel or whatever. He's gotten plenty of great reps already. Then you have Martinez Rankin, who has stepped in at left tackle already. you got Jordan Akins, who definitely has made his presence known in the passing game, and I think we're going to see more of Jordan Akins as we go through. The fourth round is Kiki QT. When we see QT, he is going to light this place on fire. People are going to absolutely love him. In the sixth round, we ended up getting Duke Ejiofor, and you heard Brian talking about him. He had about 15 snaps last week and had a really nice tackle on one play. The very next play, he created pressure. Then he had a sack, his first one. Texans have three this year. He's got one of them. And he only played 15 snaps. I think Duke Edgefor, as he gets healthier, you know, people ask, why did he go in the sixth round? One of the reasons he won the sixth round was he was dealing with a shoulder issue or a labrum, you know, shoulder. And he missed, essentially, the draft process. And I think there were some concerns about whether Duke was ever, is he a 4-3 defensive end and only a 4-3 defensive end? I think Duke came here a little bit lighter than he was at Wake Forest, and it really has paid off for him. And I think he is going to continue to be a big factor for this team, no question. Jordan Thomas has started and played a bunch at tight end, had a big catch against New England, and he's been a key contributor to the run game. His run blocking, I think, has improved Hopefully, he'll be able to play this weekend. Seeing him pop up on the injury report as questionable uh, was highly unfortunate today, but hopefully that is something that checks out and he's able to play because we would miss him greatly. And then Peter Kalambayi has made some tackles on special teams. So everybody that has been available to play, Jermaine Kelly was drafted in the seventh round, but he's been banged up and we have not had a chance to see him on the field. One day of practice, that really was only uh, was all that we got with Jermaine Kelly. But you've gotten out of that 
Reed has started. Jordan Thomas has started. Martinez Rankin has started. Jordan Akins, I don't know if he's been considered a starter, but he has been definitely in the rotation at tight end. No question about that with Jordan Thomas and Ryan Griffin. Everybody has contributed. Keep Peter Calumbay running down on on kickoff, on, on special teams, making plays. Had the one tackle. The Patriots only had one return in that game. Peter Calumbay had a tackle inside the 20-yard line. So this rookie class that Brian Gain and his staff and Bill O'Brien, they all put their heads together and went out and got with no first, no second. They have found impact players in this particular class. So that bodes well for the future with next year with a first and two seconds. Who knows what they're going to be able to bring to this organization next year. But the guys that they brought in this year have made a significant impact on this organization. They've done a really nice job. So hopefully they'll be able to continue that. And hopefully Jordan Thomas, as a rookie, and Kiki UT will be able to play on Sunday. If not, their other rookies will pick up the slack. There's no question about that. All right, when we get back, it's time for the Around the NFL segment that I couch as my NFL pick segment. You'll definitely want to tune in, especially if you want to hear me be wrong, because a lot of times I am. So this is the segment for you people, coming up next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. Our second hour always begins with me, John Harris, your host, football analyst and sideline reporter, making my NFL picks. Now, this is typically where I would tell you we go around the league, we go around the NFL, tell these stories. Well, I do it my way, and my way basically is picking games, picking them straight up and picking them against the spread. Now, I'm not saying anything other than this is what I think, this is my opinion, I'm not telling you a gamble, all that kind of stuff. I just This is the way that I like to talk about the games, and why not? We got 15 games this weekend remaining. Man, what a game on Thursday night. Jets-Browns. Who would ever thought Jets-Browns on a Thursday night would have felt that way? I saw a tweet from my buddy Jeremy Poplin, who is with, I believe it's 1430, the buzz in Tulsa. And he said that the TV rating to start the game in Tulsa and Oklahoma City was like a 7-1, 7.5. I think one was a 7.5 and a 7-1. By the end of the game, in both places, it was a 9.5 plus. Now, you do the math. Baker Mayfield comes in the game. Oklahoma, State of Oklahoma, TV ratings go up. Man, it was a heck of a football game. The Browns get a win, 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and easily could be 3-0. And easily could be 0-3, to be honest. That's how close the games have been when the Browns have been on the field. Now, we got 15 other games remaining. We have not reached that point in the year where teams start having a bye, so we got 15 games remaining, one on Sunday night, one on Monday night, and then the rest on Sunday afternoon, including your Texans and the New York Giants. So let's get into this right about now. But before we get there, I need my music and Boom, there it is. All right, let's get into this. Tennessee goes to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is favored by six and a half. Now, I did my picks. I did my picks with a buddy of mine, and he sent me the picks in the lines, and that's how I've done this. So they may have changed. 
In fact, looking at the Texans line, I'm pretty sure that's – yeah, this one, the line says 5.5. The line now is up to 7 on the Texans. So either way, they may be changed a little bit on your book or whatever you're looking at. But Jacksonville is a 6.5-point favorite at home against Tennessee. It does look like Taylor Luan is going to be back, and that's going to be very helpful. But I would imagine Tennessee is going to do the exact same thing it did last week against us. It is going to grind and grind and grind and grind. And it might be a 23-17 sort of game. It might even be, I don't know, like a 20-14 to game. Either way, I think Jacksonville wins. It's going to be relatively close. But I do think it is going to be a touchdown victory. I feel like a 24-17 is somewhere along those lines, 17-10. But either way, Jacksonville, I think, will end up winning by a touchdown. I just don't know that Tennessee forced to go a, few, a full field. If Mariota doesn't play, then that ends up being a problem for Tennessee. So I'm going to give Jacksonville the win here, although would love to see Tennessee go get the win because to see everybody get the 2-1, and one, the Colts get knocked off. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And the Texans get a win. That would be kind of nice. But if Jacksonville gets the 3-0 and oh, and they got victories against Tennessee, then they'll have us week seven. Eh, they can start to run away with that thing, and we don't want that to happen. So either way, I hope I'm wrong. But Jacksonville will win straight up. Jacksonville will cover the 6.5. Oakland goes to Miami. This feels like a sucker bet. Oklahoma's 0-2, Miami's 2-0, Miami's only favored by 3.5. But I got a hunch that John Gruden is not about to let his Raiders go down after a week in Denver, after playing last week in Denver, now having to go down to Miami. I just don't see the Raiders going to 0-3 for some reason. So I'm going to give them the W, and obviously with the W, they're going to get inside the 3.5. So I'm going Oakland in an upset. That's my upset of the week. The Raiders beating Miami in Miami. I think Miami's a little bit of fool's gold. They got the 2-0. They beat the Jets, and they also beat the Titans in a rain-fest, rain-delayed type game. So I'm going to go with Oakland to bounce back after an 0-2 start. Tough one in Denver. Had that one in the bag, and then Case Keenum pulled it out of the bag and said, no, no, that W's for us. So I'm going to go Oakland with the win and obviously the cover of Miami. Denver then goes to Baltimore. Now, I don't think Baltimore's all that good, but I don't think Denver's all that good either. Baltimore favored by five and a half. I think Baltimore bounced back. They had the mini buy after losing to Cincinnati on Thursday night. I think Baltimore does bounce back. I think Denver's a little bit, as I said, fool's gold. So let's go with Baltimore to win and cover that five and a half at home. Then you got the Giants taking on Houston. That line's already up to seven. Like, man, I just look, I just want to get a win. I, and I never picked against Hartenhead. You know how I how I do this with the Texans. So they're gonna cover, they're gonna win. Hopefully they get that win. Indianapolis goes to Philadelphia. And as much as I would love to see Philadelphia pound Indianapolis, I think that's going to happen. I think Philadelphia is going to pound Indianapolis. Philadelphia coming off a tough one down in Tampa Bay. Fitzmagic got all over them. They couldn't get the stench of Fitzmagic off, and they lost that game. But Carson Wentz is back. Indianapolis has a number of players out, including Anthony Costanzo and Jack Doyle. I think Philadelphia puts a number on Indianapolis. The Colts having to travel for a second straight week. They will feel the pain that we felt in the first two weeks as Philadelphia gets a big win. They'll cover that 6.5. Green Bay goes to Washington as a a 2.5-point favorite. Aaron Rodgers still not 100%, but he's playing through it. Washington last week just went from so good against the Cardinals to what am I watching right now against the Indianapolis Colts. I don't trust Washington. I trust Green Bay a little bit more. Although I will say a couple years ago when Green Bay went in on a Sunday night to Washington, the Redskins and Kirk Cousins thumped them. Well, now it's the Redskins and Alex Smith. I'm giving Green Bay the win and the cover. I think it'll be close. It feels like a 
24-20 kind of game, but that'll be just enough to get over that two-and-a-half number that Green Bay is favored by. So let's give Green Bay the win and the cover. Buffalo goes to Minnesota. Minnesota's a 16-and-a-half-point favorite, and I don't think you can make this number large enough. Minnesota bouncing back off the tie last week at Lambeau. Let's give Minnesota the victory and the cover. I know it's 16-and-a-half, but you just can't make that number high enough right now with the Buffalo Bills and the way the Bills are struggling. New Orleans 1-1, one one, Atlanta 1-1. One one. This is the game that I struggled with the most. Atlanta's favored by 35 they usually give the home team a three-point favorite. So, in on an even field, Atlanta-New Orleans couldn't be more even. I went with Atlanta in this one. I, just playing at home, I remember that Thursday night game last year. They gave Drew Brees a lot of trouble. Atlanta is without Deion Jones, and he was a guy who had a, had a uh, meaningful pick late in that game to preserve the win against the Saints. I don't know that New Orleans is right where it wants to be. It's still lacking Mark Ingram. I'm going to go with Atlanta at home to get the W over New Orleans and get the cover. San Francisco goes to Kansas City. This should be a fun game. There should be a lot of points scored. Jimmy G should get the offense going for San Francisco. But, man, Patrick Mahomes, are you kidding me what they're doing in Kansas City? Tyreek Hill, the Cheetah, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. Look, we knew that that offense was going to break out, and they broke out in the first two games. problem is that the defense keeps it close. I don't think they'll keep it within six and a half, though. I think Kansas City gets the win and the cover. Jimmy G puts up about 28 to 30, but I think Pat goes big, 42-plus. They'll get the win, Kansas City, and the cover at home. Cincinnati, I think it's Kansas City's first home game, too. Yeah, Cincinnati goes to Carolina. Cincinnati's played well. They're coming off the mini-bye. Carolina, not real sure with the offensive line, banged up as it is. And the more I think about it, the more I feel like Cincinnati could win this one outright. But I went with the Panthers. I just feel like playing at home, Cincinnati without Joe Mixon. He's been a big part of the offense the first couple of weeks. I think that's going to be a tough one for the Bengals to win. Now, could the Bengals get inside the three-and-a-half-point number? I think I think they could, but I'm not going that way. I'm going with the home team. I'm going with the Panthers to win and cover the three-and-a-half. The L.A. Chargers take on the L.A. Rams. So they will cross the city and take on a team that nobody thinks should lose but two or three games this year, if that. One of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best teams in the NFC. The Chargers struggled against Kansas City, got back back on it last week against the Bills on the road. Now they could go well, back home, but they're the visiting team taking on the Rams. That'll be a fun one in a few years. They can just stay in the same building like when the Jets and Giants play. The Rams are favored by 7.5. That feels like a really big number. And I've actually picked the Rams to win, and I actually picked the Rams to cover, but I feel like the Chargers are going to get inside that. So I'm going to tell you, Rams to win, Chargers to cover to get inside the 7.5. Dallas goes to Seattle. I don't trust Dallas at all. Dallas can be up and down. But they were dominant on the defensive line and pass rush the other day, and Seattle has struggled mightily. I can't trust Seattle at home, even though they're at home. I don't trust Seattle at all with that offensive line. Dwayne Brown is holding up his end of the bargain. We knew he, he would when he's there, but the rest of them, it's a mess. I think Dallas gets after Russell Wilson. I think Seattle drops to 0-3, and Dallas gets the win on the road to improve to 2-1. and The Bears go to Arizona. You can't give me enough points in this one. Arizona is, is a 6.5-point underdog at home. You, you could go up to 14. I'd still take the Bears. The Cardinals are miserable. They've scored 6 points all year. The Bears, I think, will go in there. Even after a Monday night game where they beat Seattle, I think the Bears 
I think it was a good thing, actually, because they're going to use that confidence and they're going to roll in Arizona. So look at the win and the cover of the 6.5. New England is also a 6.5-point favorite at Detroit. Detroit's they're in the same boat at 0-2. Started playing a little bit better last week, but the defense got shredded. I think Tom Brady and the offense bounces back. Gronk did end up on the injury report this week. That is definitely something to keep an eye on. But I think Tom Brady against Matt Patricia, they're going to have some things for Brady. Maybe has, they, they know they have to have things that he hasn't seen, but Brady has pretty much seen it all. And he knows Patricia. He knows what he's going to see on that side. I don't know if that makes it better for Brady or not, but I do think New England overall is just better than Detroit. I don't know if Darius Slay is going to play in this one, and if he's not, Detroit is in a lot of trouble. Detroit falls to 0-3. The Patriots get to 2-1. The Patriots cover that 6.5, which leads us to Monday, and I think one of the more interesting games of the entire weekend. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 0-1-1. Antonio Brown, drama. Le'Veon Bell, still absent. And then you've got Fitzmagic in Tampa Bay. Ryan Fitzpatrick is getting it done in Jameis Winston's stead, and I would I would love to see him stay the quarterback. But I think, and this is where it gets interesting, because if Fitzy doesn't play well, and then Jameis comes back, I believe he comes back next week, three-game suspension, I believe he comes back in week four, do they then turn it over to Jameis Winston? All indications are they want to keep rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The receivers love him, the team loves him. They can trust Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think in this one, Monday night stage, everybody talking about that organization, everybody talking about that offense. I just feel like this is a circle the wagons type of moment for Pittsburgh. Lose this one, and they fall to 0-2-1. Now, the Steelers haven't lost two. They haven't been winless through the first two games since 2004, I believe. Maybe 2003, 2004. Maybe. No, it has to be 2003 because 2004, they're 15-1. So they haven't been winless since 2003. I think Pittsburgh bounces back, gets a win, goes to 1-1-1. One, one, and, one. and if Cincinnati loses, well, Cincinnati's still ahead in division because Cincinnati's 2-0. But that'll put Pittsburgh into a second-place tie if Baltimore loses with the Cleveland Browns at 1-1-1. One, one, one. Tampa Bay is a, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. It's too close. From that standpoint, it might as well just be a pick and I'm picking Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh will find a way. They'll get Antonio Brown involved. They will make sure that the ball is spread to him and targeted to him. He's going back to his home state of Florida. They'll get him the football. And I'm not sure that Tampa Bay will completely be ready. Brent Grimes should be ready to go. Vita Vea is still questionable, but that will help them. But I just feel like this is a game that Pittsburgh has got to circle the wagons and get this one done. So I'm going with the Steelers. So, to recap, to win, I'm taking Jacksonville, Oakland, Baltimore, of course the Texans, Eagles, Green Bay, Minnesota, Atlanta, Kansas City, Carolina, the Rams, Dallas, Chicago, New England, Pittsburgh. I'm taking all those guys to win. Against the spread, I'm taking Jacksonville, Oakland, Ravens, Eagles, Green Bay, Minnesota, Atlanta, Kansas City, Carolina, the Chargers, Cowboys, Bears, Patriots, and the Steelers. So there you go. You can keep track, see how I'm doing, keep a record of it. I don't know that my record has been great, but look, I just got to get my footing, man. You got to see how this league is playing out, and then you can start to read things a little bit. And the next four weeks, four, five, and six are usually pretty good. 
then you start getting injuries, and then you're back to like, oh, I don't know. What's this team going to do today? I have no idea. So there you go. You can have some fun with that. And hopefully it's just a good way to talk about things that are going, around, going on around the NFL. We get back. It's time for our first community credit union. First glance, keys to the game. What's the offense got to do? What's the defense got to do to get a W over Big Blue on Sunday? We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. The Texans sit at 0-2, unfortunately, and need a win in the worst way on Sunday against the New York Giants. How are they going to do that? Well, I'm about to give you my keys to the game. This week's first glance, keys to the game, are brought to you by First Community Credit Union, FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. All right, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. And start with our first key, and something I wasn't, totally sure we would be able to say about this particular team. But watching the offensive line up front and watching the two backs, key number one, pound the two-headed monster, Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue. Pound it. The Texans are number one in the league in rushing at this moment. The Giants are 29th in the league in stopping the rush. Coach O'Brien's talked about Danny Barrett, the running backs coach, doing a really nice job of mixing in the carries for both Lamar and for Alfred. And Lamar talked about how the two push each other this week. We always on each other. We want each other to be great. You know, we push each other to, you know, um, to get positive plays, uh, make big plays for this team. And, you know, every day we joke if we miss a hole or something so we can get better. And once the game comes, it'd be easy. Here's what I love about what you're getting from those two running backs. Lamar, and I've done telestrators on this, Lamar, week one against the Patriots, and I think Lamar is a really good zone runner. But in the past, maybe struggled a little bit with the power game. But against the Titans in particular, a couple times Deshaun checked to a power and Lamar took it and ran with it. His longest run of the day was off a power run. So you're seeing Lamar transform into a complete runner. Both zone and power can run them both. With Alfred... You're seeing, over the years, he's been at times too patient. But now you're seeing Alfred run behind his pads, run downhill, read blocks as he's going. He's not having to slow down to read the blocks. He's letting them develop as he's pounding through the hole. And Alfred talked about this week, yeah, you know what, I've been around here. I know this offense. I know what I need to do. As I get older, I get a little bit more wise and knowing what's going on in front of me. I've been in this offense five years, so I think that's helped out a lot too. So key number one, pound the two-headed monster. Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue. Deontay Foreman, although we get the question every single week on Cooler Talk, he's not coming back till at a minimum week seven. But Alfred Blue has given you quality carries every time he's touched it. Lamar Miller has been, I think, fantastic. And those two have played off one another very, very well, as you heard Lamar Pound that two-headed monster. Make the Giants 29th in the league in stopping the run. Half to stop the run. All right, key number two. 
when you look at the New York Giants secondary, you see Landon Collins and you're like, that's a dude. That guy is fantastic. By the way, as a quick aside, Landon Collins, Dutchtown High School in Louisiana. Justin Reed, Dutchtown High School in Louisiana. Went to the same high school, and obviously Justin Reed went to the same high school as his brother Eric Reed. Those three all went to the same high school. You talk about producing some safeties. Holy smokes. Either way, you see Landon Collins, number 21. That's a dude. That guy can play near the box. He can play in coverage. He can play man. He can play zone. Landon Collins is the guy you want to stay away from, which leads me to free safety Curtis Riley, number 35. The Cowboys saw something they liked in going against Curtis Riley. The Cowboys' biggest plays came when they attacked number 35, Curtis Riley. He's formerly of Tennessee, but he signed with the Giants. And if the Giants have a hole in the secondary, obviously they have one at corner because Eli Apple's out. But they even with Apple, whether he played or not, I felt like with Curtis Riley back there, there was opportunity to exploit him. In large part, because you want to stay away from Landon Collins. DeAndre Hopkins was asked about that secondary and Landon Collins this week. They got a lot of skill back there. A lot of young guys. They want to make plays. Uh, you know, they got Collins. You know who's who's one of the best safeties in the game, uh, and again, guys on on the outside that can make plays as well. One of the things about facing Collins is how he can be a dual threat safety. Like I said, he can play near the box, he can play in coverage, but the ball is anywhere near him, he's going to come down with it. He's got impressive ball skills. He's had multi interception games before. He's one of the top 100 players in the league after the 2016 season. I think he was last year as well, but the Giants were just a really Difficult franchise to watch. I guess you'd say that about the Texans after Deshaun as well. But Landon Collins has been a all-pro, Pro Bowl-type player in the middle of that secondary. Now, Janoris Jenkins on the outside, and we'll see who ends up starting at the other corner position. We talked about Jenkins and the matchup he'll have with Hopkins and with Will Fuller, depending on whether Fuller and Hopkins, where they line up on either side, left, right, etc. But Collins is the one in the middle. But you can exploit the other safety, and the other one being Curtis Riley. I think that's an area where the Texans can really uh, put together a pretty good game plan. All right, next, next item, next key. Communication is a key between Deshaun Watson and the offensive line. Now, I feel like there have been, I feel like the communication has been good. In this building against this team, they're going to show you some different looks. And the biggest piece here is the blitz. I think the Giants will look at what the Patriots did, and the Patriots didn't blitz much, but the Titans did. The Titans did bring, they brought the funk a little bit, and they got Logan Ryan home once totally clean. The Texans picked that up, but they struggled with some of the other all-out blitzes, six, and I think there was even one time a seven-man blitz. The Texans struggled with that. So Deshaun and the offensive line have to be on the same page, and number four talked about that this week. That's every day. Every week, like I said before, it's never to a period of time throughout the career where you're just constantly, oh, you got it. There's always, you know, something new. There's always something, you know, you got to communicate with. Like I said before, the other team that we're going against are professional athletes and getting paid and watch film too. So they're scheming up, you know, trying to find ways to stop us, and we're trying to find ways to stop them. So, I mean, that's it's just every day, every week. It's a new test, a new test, and there's never a comfortable position or spot where you can just say that you got it. You always got to stay on your toes and stay uh, on your P's and Q's. One of the biggest keys 
for an NFL offense, and, and for defense too, but for an offense in particular, is you're going to see things on the defensive side, A, you've never seen before, B, you definitely have not seen from that team. And you've got to be able to communicate at all times. Make sure you make your mic points correct. Make sure the line is where it needs to be. You've accounted for all potential blitzers that could come. Make sure that communication is solid. If it is, you'll be able to move the football. And last and certainly not least, get the tight ends involved in the passing game. The inside passing game has got to continue to improve. That means Jordan Akins. That means Jordan Thomas, if he does play, he did end up on the injury report, and Ryan Griffin. I think Griff has got to be a guy that catches at least at least three or four passes a day. Every time he goes out there, he's got to be a guy. And I know Deshaun likes throwing to him. we got to get Griff rolling. And I think once he does, the inside passing game starts to evolve. That opens up everything else. I think the tight ends have really got to get involved to improve that inside passing game. All right, let's flip it over to the other side. Number one key, and I don't know, I didn't put these really in any order, but I think controlling slash slowing down Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be key. To me, when Odell Beckham Jr. is playing at a high rate, at a high level, and he is involved in the game, the Giants' offense plays at a high level. When he is muted in some sense, sort of like he was against the Cowboys, then I think the Giants' offense kind of slogs through and they struggle. Tyron Matthew, when asked about Odell Beckham Jr., had this to say. Probably the best receiver in the game right now. Um, from the routes he run, the things that they ask him to do, um, his catch radius, uh, 50-50 balls. Um, you know, So he poses a problem for some of the best DBs in the game. Tyron captured Odell perfectly. The one thing about Odell is you can throw him the ball in a lot of different spots. You can throw slants. You can throw deep. You can throw intermediate. He can catch and run. He can catch those 50-50 balls as we've seen DeAndre do. He turns, he and DeAndre both turn 50-50 balls into 80-20 or 90-10 if you want the truth. Those guys, when the ball's in the air, it is, it's incredible to see those two go up and get the football snatch out of the air. Odell's numbers over the years have been unbelievable. The last two weeks, he's gotten targets. He got his targets against Jacksonville. He didn't get as many targets against Dallas, but he's got 15 receptions on the year. I mean, that's at a clip of 120 catches. I mean, that's outstanding. But he hasn't been able to really come up with that big, huge play for the Giants. And it does worry me that he's sort of been lying kind of in the weeds, if you will, that the Giants will try and get him involved early on, and they will go to him, and if they get him involved, then all of a sudden that offense starts rolling, and that does worry me a little bit. So got to control slash slow down 13. I don't know if you could please shut him out, which would be great. That's not really the goal. The goal is just to control him and slow him down. Number two, I've got it written down as hats aplenty on 26. And what I mean by that is Saquon Barkley. Saquon has not strung together a bunch of 100-yard games He had a great 68-yard run for a touchdown against the Jaguars. His yards per carry average has been minimal. It's like 2.4 every other carry. But what he's able to do is break tackles. Even on a minus two-yard run, he'll break two, three tackles. So there have got to be multiple helmets in the area to take him down. I just say hats, helmets, whatever. you got to have bodies there. You've got to have people because invariably, if it's one-on-one with a defender and Barkley, Barkley will win. I don't care who that defender is because either he'll shake a big guy or he'll run through smaller guys. 
So you've got to have multiple guys. If guy one misses, two, three, four, bang, 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 bang. It's got to be rat-a-tat-tat every time he catches the ball or every time he carries the football. And they will throw it to him out of the backfield. And guys are going to have to bring everything they've got to take this guy on. And Tyron talked about the impact of Saquon Barkley. He's a special player. I mean, you can see that from the way he runs the ball, the different things that they try to do with him in a passing game. Uh, He's free-releasing a lot. Um, They try to get the ball to him quick so he can have some space to run with the ball. So we're going to have to rally, tackle. Uh, Even Dallas last week, the first guy normally missed that tackle, but they always had extra guys around the ball. So they was able to contain him from, from that aspect. The one thing about Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley both of them are very good after the catch, or in Saquon's case, after the carry. They get the ball in space, they're really, really good out in space, but also when they have to break a tackle or make somebody miss, those guys are top-notch. They're at the top of the heap when it comes to that. So the Texans defenders, when those guys get the football, well, anybody really, but those two in particular, they have got to rally and get to the football and make stops such that yards after contact aren't piling up by the time you get to the third and fourth quarter. You do that, it's one yard here, it's two yards there, and before you know it, then that two yard yards after the carry turns into 20. Guy breaks a tackle and he comes up with 20 additional yards after that, especially Barkley. Barkley is the one that I think can end up being a problem that way. Bring hats to the party. Number three, heat up Eli early and often against that offensive line. I charted every throw of the Dallas game. Eli was, I don't say scared to throw. I think the overall offense was scared to throw the way that Dallas was getting after them. They did not throw the ball down the field. When they fell behind in the second half, they had to throw the ball down the field. So they did that a little bit more against Dallas. But Dallas got all kinds of pressure on Eli. You must heat up Eli early. Why? Let's let the tyrant tell you. He's a great quarterback. Anytime you can win a Super Bowl in this league, it's pretty tough. Um, uh, he knows what's going on. He can understand different coverages. Um, I think his problem is, uh, is when he has a lot of guys in his face. Uh, you know, he rushes decisions, um, and that's what we'll try to do Sunday. Rush his decisions. As they're rushing, force him to make decisions quickly. When he was forced to do that against Dallas, they turned into sacks, they turned into poor throws. When he had some time, or Dallas didn't force those decisions, then he was able to find some receivers, especially in the second half. They've got to speed up the game on Eli. If that means bringing five, bringing six, whatever it takes, they've got to heat Eli up a little bit. You know where he's going to be. He's not going to move out of the pocket like Blaine Gabbert or Deshaun Watson. He's going to be right there at the top of the pocket. They do boot him a little bit, but they don't do a lot with him rolling completely out. They might move the pocket just a little bit. But you know where he's going to be. you got to go take advantage. And the final key, know where Evan Ingram, number 88, is lined up at all times. He's part receiver, part tight end, runs very well after the catch, has great hands, runs in a 4-4 range at about 235 pounds. He is a problem. He has scored the one touchdown the Giants had against Dallas. He is a problem. Because you don't know how to guard him. Do you guard him with a safety do you run a linebacker at him, try to be physical with him? Do you give help? 88 can be a massive problem. The Giants like to get him the ball in space. He's not really a tight end. If you treat him like a tight end, he'll kill you. If you treat him like a receiver, and you sort of have to treat him like a receiver, that I think is the best tack to take. But you've got to have somebody on him that A, can run, and B, can be physical with him. You've got to limit 88. Now, you can't take away all the weapons, 
but you can lessen the impact by what I think is the final key, get that pressure. And that goes back to what I said about number three, heat up Eli. But the offensive line is well, John Hoppio at center. They'll more than likely go with John Greco, the backup center. They've got Will Hernandez at left guard. That he struggled mightily. He has struggled. Twist, stunts, one-on-one rush. Will Hernandez has struggled. And then you got Eric Flowers on the right side. Why they played a little better against Dallas than he played against the Jags, but he can be had. This offensive line will be the weakest one the Texans have faced thus far this year, and they've got to get to Eli. They must. And Eli knows that. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly, so the Texans have got to heat him up, and the secondary has got to take advantage of knowing that Eli's going to throw it quickly. Maybe jump some short routes. Maybe play for some of those short routes with some help over the top, just in case they get double move. But take some chances, go get some turnovers this week, and see if you can't get a few. If Eli gives you a few, you take advantage of that and then win this football game. So there you go. There's your first community credit union. First glance, keys to the game. Coming up, it's the player segment. Get to know, final word with Drew Doherty, and player reporter with Kareem Jackson. All next in our final segment of Texas All Access. We've got one final segment of a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. we got plenty to do in this final segment. We're going to hear from a number of players. So let's start by getting to know Brandon Dunn with Drew Doherty. Well, you wouldn't be too skinny. I, I've actually, like, I can't fit through that door because my shoulders are so wide. Really? I have to go like this. So yeah. you don't do no lifting or nothing? No, I lift a little bit, but it, it's the swimming that's kind of made it, like, I'm going to bet all the money in the world that the, the swimming didn't make you that big. Well, I lift a little bit, but I, I would attribute probably 80% to the swimming. I'm going swimming. Call it a day. We'll go. We'll go together. Cannonball. Mm. It's time to get to know Brandon Dunn. It's all presented by I.W. Marks, defensive end for your Houston Texans. But you're much more than a defensive end, aren't I you? I am. I am. I am. Who are you, Brandon Dunn? Well, you know, I'm birth the name of being DJ Dunny. Yeah. You know, that name is, is really, you know, came from OB. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he said he was from up north, so when I first got here, I was called B. Dunn. And the next thing you know, I made a couple of plays, I became Dunny. And the next thing you know, I moved my locker next to the ox court, and the next thing you know, I started playing a whole bunch of good music, and the next thing you know, boom, there comes DJ Dunny. What sort of songs do you listen to on game there? Is there a set list that you got to have or no? Well, not gonna lie to you, it's depending on how I'm feeling that day. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just got that vibe. You know, whatever I'm listening to, everybody's like, yeah. You yeah. Know? The next thing you know, we all listening to it the same. You know, so whatever I'm feeling that day, it can be from wherever it's the, you know, where it's future, you know, a little bit of the Migos, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of, you know, so maybe sometimes everybody wants to spring in. I might throw some Young Jeezy in there sometimes. Okay. You know, it's just no music to where it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm in the. I'm in a vibe and relax. No, it's all upbeat, loud, and obnoxious. You're a defensive end. You're DJ Dunny, but you're still much more than that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What's left? Man, you're looking at a guy right now who is actually one of the biggest sneaker sneakerheads on the team. Sneakerheads? Yeah. How come? Man, I own maybe over 300 pairs of shoes. 300? Yeah. How old's your oldest pair? 20 years. 20 years? Maybe even more than that. That could fit you right now? Yeah. 
I'm quite a bit older than you are. Yeah. Uh, and when I was, don't say it so enthusiastically, okay? okay? okay. You don't need to, jeez. Uh, but when I was in junior high, it was like the third Air Jordans that came out. Those be were fourth. so cool because I wasn't getting cool shoes like that. I had to wear like the you know, yeah. forty dollar. Uh, what well, was cheap back in the day, though? Know? Uh, they were still they were still hundred dollar. They were still hundred dollar shoes back in the day. Jordan, okay, well, yeah, so, yeah. Jumped up. but I thought those were really cool shoes. So. I'll tell you, when it comes to that game day and them Sundays, a lot of people is looking at, at your feet. You know, it's, the, it's our day that we can relax. You know, you can put whatever you want on. Some guys like to dress up. You know, some guys just like to come in with some normal stuff. I'm a dress up guy. You a dress up guy? Yeah. You know, you see guys who just always, you know, look, a good, comfortable gray. You don't want to be too loud. Then you got B Mac. You know, comes out with a whole suit and with now later gator suit. You know, he's got his gators on. His his suit is highlighter green. You know, yep. and the next thing you know, it's like, okay, B Mac, you still the show. Thank you. Good to see you. Let's try that again. That was a bad answer. Come on. What? But hold on. Oh, hold on. There we go. There we go. Right. There we go. Good to there see you. Right. You're swimming. Got to get you a better I grip. I do have a better grip, and I didn't want you to think I had like a you know, like cold fish. I think I can listen to get to know a Drew Doherty all day long. He gets these players to say things and do things that are just incredible, man. Brandon Dunn, DJ Dunny, a guy that I mentioned earlier, I don't think gets enough credit for the work that he has done. He has been absolutely outstanding in the last, especially the last two years. I mean, the start of this year and then last year, 2017, with everybody banged up up front, seemingly he and DJ Reader held it down. And you can see in the All-22 film how much Brandon Dunn impacts the game. So it's good to get to know DJ Dunny. All right, we do this every single week. Player Reporter is brought to you by Arctic. The official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com. Arctic coolers. Overbuilt, not overpriced. This week, it's a musical version of Player Reporter. All right. What's your go-to karaoke song? And 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 keep in mind, I've seen you sing before, so don't lie to us. <laughs> uh, go-to karaoke. Uh, Michael Jackson, rock with you. All right, that's a good one. Mike's a... Mike's the man. Why is that one? You know, it's, it's one that gets the whole crowd involved. Everybody knows the song, you know. All right, well, get the crowd involved now. Let me hear it. Oh, oh okay, okay. <clears throat> Girl, close your eyes. Let the rhythm get into you. Ooh, okay, Zach. Okay. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, if you ever did karaoke. Have you before? Yeah, man. I probably said Sam and say yes. Sammy Say Yes? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Because I like the song. You grew up listening to Sammy? Yeah, listen Sammy, yeah. No, it's Corey. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You um, want to give us a couple of notes? Nope. I already know you're going to ask the note. I'll go nice and slow by Usher. Usher? You want to give us a couple of when it? clock on the dock. I'm in my drop top. Cruising the streets. Doo, 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 doo. I got a real uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, little uh. thing that's waiting for me. I have to go with something from Jay-Z. Mm, okay. You something from Jay-Z. You want to give us a little of it? Uh, H to the Izzo. Oh. H to the Izzo. But she's in the... Oh, hey, 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 I can't give you all the lyrics. You can't, you can't, you can't. We're going to leave it for Jay, but I feel what you're saying. I feel it, I feel it. What's it do next? What's it got to do? love. Anticipated yeah. good love. Oh, don't keep don't me keep waiting. waiting, girl. <laughs> all right, I like that. All right, all right, all right. I like that. Yeah, I like that. 
Man, I don't even sing karaoke, bro. You don't? Never? No. Mm. Okay, well, we're going to just scratch the karaoke part out. So what's your go-to song in your car? What you, like, when you when you in your car by yourself and you get all, when you all into it, what's that song in your car? Oh, man. Man, I, kinda, I don't know if I want to say it, bro. It's a nice song to vibe out to. I think it's uh, What's My Name by the, uh, on the... Uh Melody or something like that Whatever His new album Whatever it is uh, I don't know What the hell You talking about with So I can't hear I, Man that, that's why I said Well I can't you say. just Sing a little bit Of it for us Nah bro I, got, I ain't got the voice Alright man We're gonna have to Skip, skip that K-Jack TV We're here with Whitney yeah. Merciless We can't get no karaoke Out of him He don't know The name of the song He won't sing None of it for us We're we not just, doing We that. just done Nah, nah. <laughs> That was Zach Cunningham right off the top with Kareem Jackson singing uh, Michael Jackson. Zach is a talented musical dude. Talented. I remember during the Deep Slant interview that DP did with him last year, they talked a lot about his music background. He talked about the impact of doing music in church. That's pretty good. Brent Scarlett stole the show, though. He stole the show. I mean, Whitney does do karaoke. Now, Whit, don't worry. I have I've never done karaoke. Never. I think I've there have been times that I've I've sung on the air and didn't care for it at all. I can't I cannot sing. I would never do karaoke. Ne- never. It's just it's one of the things I will do and I'll get in I'll get up in front of 100,000 people and talk and have no problems, but you ask me to sing and you can forget about it. It's a nightmare. So I don't want to do it. So I understand Whitney. I totally get it. And Bernardrick, uh, they didn't. They didn't really want to do it. So I completely understand. But Zach Cunningham, he's got some pipes. I'd like to hear a little bit more of that. We'll hear a little bit more of Drew Doherty now. It's the final word with Drew Doherty this week. It's the center for your Houston Texans, Nick Martin, who I think has had a pretty good start to the year. Let's hear from Drew and Nick. Thanks a lot, fellas. Here with starting center Nick Martin. Nick, nice challenge here in the New York Giants. Everyone focuses naturally on the quarterback position, Eli Manning. But this defense for the Giants, they can do some things up front, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Their nose guard, three-tech, inside guys are very good. Strong players, very good on the run. Consistent. Let's talk about the Texans' offensive line. Looks like you guys are clicking. You're clearly clicking in the run game. What's different this year versus last? You know, we're just same thing as always, working every day to get that continuity, working to execute every play, just get a little bit better each day. It looks like you guys enjoy kind of asserting your dominance when you're doing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as anyone's line, you love to run the ball. That's what you like to do. That's why you got in the game when you were a kid, to run the ball to hit people. And on the flip side of things, when you guys are in pass pro, looks like that's improved a lot. Deshaun's having some time to make some throws, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it goes backwards, trying to get a little bit better each day, making sure Deshaun's comfortable back there, uh, what he's feeling, where he's feeling, and let him do his thing back there. For better or for worse, though, two games in, is it still tough to gauge where you, you truly are, not just as an offensive line, but where you are as a team? Yeah, it's week two, and again, it's a long season, and we're trying to get a little bit better each day. What's it like having Fulton, Kelamete next to you, what you guys have been able to do on the interior there? It's awesome. Uh, both Fulton, Sunil, Juju, um, Rankin, everyone's been awesome. Um, it really is. It's fun to work with, and like I said, just work with them a little bit better each day. You said Juju. That's obviously Julio and Davenport yeah. out there on the right side at tackle. Communication still the biggest thing that you guys got to perfect, got to work on as always, or is that something you guys have almost gotten past, you think? You work at it every day, no matter what. There's going to be different calls, different things each week. You know, we got a lot of young guys on the O line, but again, we've been playing 
all the way through camp with each other, and you just continue to build on that a little beach day. How much nicer is it to play at home in Energy Stadium? Oh, we, we can't wait. In Houston, in Houston, it's an unbelievable crowd. We can't wait to get out there. And plus, it's quieter when you guys are on offense, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, Nick, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck against the Giants. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right, so there you have it. Brandon Dunn, player reporter, a.k.a. KJAC TV, and the final word, Drew Doherty, this week, Nick Martin. Got a lot of people to thank for this one tonight. Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain, Mark Vandermeer, Will Fuller, D.P. Sidhu, Brandon Dunn, Kareem Jackson, and his band of merry men on Player Reporter, and, of course, Nick Martin, and hopefully along the way I said Drew Doherty because I don't get this done without any of those people. Sunday, kickoff, noon. Pre-game show right there on Sports Radio 610 starts at 9. You'll hear me about 9.40. You'll hear Mark and Andre shortly thereafter. Pre-game show is very good. I love being a part of it in my small way. Then the broadcast at 12 on our flagship, Sports Radio 610. And got to go get this one, folks. Got I don't. I'm not saying anything you guys don't already know, but this one is hella important. 0-2 to 0-3, not what I want to see in this building. Not at all. But like I said earlier, 7-6, to 75-3, or 38-37. Doesn't matter how it goes down. It just has to be a Texans win in the end. Got to go do it for the home folks wearing the Liberty white. So if you're in the stands, make sure you're wearing white. Even though, like, well, John, that's not my color. I don't wear white after Labor Day. For this one, you do. This one, you do. Be ready. Be loud. Help this team out. Get them going. Last year, not great at home. 2016, fabulous at home. Let's get back to that 2016 realm. In 14, started at home against the uh, Redskins. Beat them. Opening game in 2016 against the NFC team, the Bears, beat them. Opening 2018 at home against the NFC team, hopefully the trend stays. Because either that one changes or Eli Manning's trend of beating the Texans stays. I'd rather Eli be upset when he goes home to New Jersey slash New York. Let's get it done, folks. Big one on Sunday. We'll see you there. And I appreciate you listening. Thanks to everybody involved. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Texans.